Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yo, what's up? Welcome to a new episode of the Alternative Facts Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Payne. This week... Coming up, we have an interview with Alicia from the band Bully. They're awesome. Rock band from Nashville, and their second album is out tomorrow. That interview is later in the show, but first, we're going to check in with another member of the music media, old friend of the show, actually returning guest on the cast, Paige Backstage, Paige Williams. Yo, what's up? Hello. Nice to be back. Yeah, thank you so much for calling in from uh, Toronto, right? Yep, it's always nice to check in with what you guys are up to down in the States. Yeah, it's, I feel like it's good to, uh, like we were just talking about, check in with Toronto as well, because for a future episode of the podcast, was just chatting with the band Weaves, who is up there from the six. It's amazing how many of our artists are starting to break outside of Canada now, because I feel like back in the day, people used to look at us as like, oh, like, you know, just kind of like dad rock. <laughs> and now we've got everything kind of breaking out everywhere. It feels really nice to be appreciated for different styles of music. Who is it that gave you the dad rock stereotype? I feel like it's like Tragically Hip, Rush, Bare Naked Ladies, Rush. Oh, God, so many. <laughs> Our Lady Peace. <laughs> hey, I was just listening to Somewhere Out There before. That song is awesome. Hey, I'm not knocking them. I like all of those <laughs> right. bands. I just feel like it's a very specific type of music, and that was what used to break over the uh, over the border. <laughs> I like to think that dad rock has a very positive connotation. Absolutely. We love our dads. Of course, exactly. It's never a bad thing, <laughs> I, I don't think, anyways. Yo, so I just got to get this off my chest right now because I'm just full of excitement. I just found out I'm going to see Brand New on Thursday. I'm so jealous. I'm going to I'm going to go and tell them I'm Chris Payne. <laughs> I'm taking your ticket. Yeah, oh my that, god. the tour, the tour, oh my god, the, the science fiction tour started a few days ago and was just like frantically trying to buy a ticket and cover and just like, you know, I want to cover the show for billboards.com and I found out uh, that it's actually coming through. So by the time you're able to hear this podcast, uh, the review of Brand New's show from the night before will be up on the site. So, yeah, for the listeners, that be is, on the lookout for that. That is so exciting. I They have, like, these individual posters they're doing for every show, and I want one. Oh, I just, it's not coming anywhere near me. I just saw one that was based off the giving tree. Yeah, I saw that, too. You're going to get one. <laughs> 
I don't. I, yeah, I wasn't. I feel like that might have been the Philadelphia show, but you said there's there's a different one for every city. So I'm not sure what I'm gonna be getting in Brooklyn. Who knows? Could be anything. Yeah, I'm excited, but I feel like I don't. I don't want to rub this in too much here. So I'm. I'll stop. I'll keep my excitement to myself. Let's talk about a show that we were both able to partake in recently, albeit in different cities. Halsey's Hopeless Fountain Kingdom tour. Last time you were on the podcast, you were chatting about the album when it was new. Tell me about getting to see Halsey live in a big arena. Well, first off, I'm just going to be very honest here. I am always talking about Halsey. So like, <laughs> nobody is surprised that the last time we spoke, it was about Halsey. Um, it was so cool seeing her, not even just in an arena, but headlining an arena. Because I remember back in the day, she didn't even have a passport to come to Canada. So I didn't get to see her club shows. But we put on, um, when I worked for her label, we put on a show in the HMV Underground, which HMV doesn't even exist anymore. It's only been a couple years. But she played this show in the basement of one of the record stores. And we just had like 200 fans crammed into the room. And I can imagine that's what a club show would have been like. And she already had that arena personality playing in such a small room. So to get to see that in a room where the, the number of people that fit in that room was the number of people that followed her when I first found her. And it was just surreal. And for the, li- so good. <laughs> for the listeners not familiar with the last episode and how you came to get to know her, in a nutshell, give the story of how you found her early on when you were at the label and all that. Ah, uh, yes. The good old days. Uh, yeah, I was a big fan of Tumblr back in the day. Not so much <laughs> Me too. now. But, you know, everybody went through a Tumblr phase. And I remember finding the song when she wrote, oh, I don't even remember what she called it, but the it was Haler a Taylor song, Swift right? parody. The Haler song. Yeah. Hey, I did I know something? Like an official name? I, it was, I'm pretty sure it was a Haler song. I was about to say, I think I knew something about Halsey that you didn't. You did it. <laughs> you beat me. I have to relinquish my crown. This sucks. Um, but yeah, she sang the Haler song about how Taylor Swift needs to break up with Harry Styles. And I was like, I like this. And then, yeah, just from there, she ended up getting signed. And I I recognized her voice and her face. And then I just kind of forced myself into working with her because I was like, I think I'm the one person here that kind of gets it because I've known her for so long. And then, yeah, Badlands went gold or platinum. I have a, I have a gold award in my room that's like the shining star of my whole life. But it might have gone platinum since then. It was platinum in the U.S. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember anymore what it is here. I could, I should have checked. I should really keep up on that more often so I can be like, haha, went platinum. <laughs> but, Call in for your. I, I would like to request an updated plaque. Right. Oh man, just take it in and be like, switch out this gold award. Just switch out the record in the back. Just flip them out. That's all you got to do. So, what you saw the uh, the tour came through Toronto. Yeah, it, she played the Air Canada Centre, which is like our second biggest venue in the whole city. And it was just like, I brought my boyfriend, who I've been forcing to listen to her for the last year and a half. And he was kind of skeptical about the whole thing. He doesn't really go to a lot of like pop star type shows. So he was kind of wary. And by the end of it, he his eyes were like saucers. <laughs> I think he just was total shock. He's like, I can't even believe what I'm seeing I've never seen a show where instead of it being like hey we're here to play music for you it's like a performance with like a character performing for you almost like a a play or something 
Yeah. And I was like, you get it. You get it. That's exactly what this is. <laughs> she really brings it. Yeah. She, it's, it makes perfect sense. You telling me about how she seemed right for the arena crowd when you were seeing her play at her little rooms of 200 people. Cause even though I didn't get to see her back then, it, it translates and it just feels natural. It's kind of, it's kind of rare. I think to see a pop star on, I guess this is her first big album cycle playing mainly arenas and it's rare to see a pop star who just owns it so well right away yeah it's it's like it's almost like she had practice but really she didn't because before badlands she hadn't even played shows before really not like big shows just kind of like coffee shops and then like it's just amazing how much she's accomplished in such a short amount of time Sure. I feel like that's kind of unheard of, too, is how much she's done so quickly and without as much mainstream attention as most would have. Like, Britney Spears started with Baby One More Time, and that was everywhere. But Halsey's first thing was kind of a chain smokers thing, and people still don't quite attribute it back to her if they don't already know who she is. I don't know. I just think it's really cool how much she's done so fast. Yeah, I thought the quality of the performance was awesome. You know, Halsey brings it, like I've been saying. I think it'll get a little bit stronger the whole thing all the way through once she has just more albums and just more great songs to pull through and maybe isn't yeah. playing so much more of, like, the album cuts from across, like, the first album and the second album. What it, yeah. Also, specifically about the the Celis, what do you think about her not playing New Americana on this tour? That was a beautiful thing. I, you know... I was not a big fan of that song. Um, I remember back back in the day when she first released Ghost independently. Right after that, she was like, okay, I'm now releasing my song New Americana. And she put it up for free. And then she took she was supposed to come out with a video. And then it all went away. And then she signed with, um, with Capital and Astral Works. So that disappeared. And then they brought it back again. And I was like, no, you shouldn't have done that. But I feel like she kind of felt the same. Like, I feel like she was kind of like, this is a song I wrote when I was like 16. <laughs> so I'm glad she she cut that one out. I feel like that was kind of a point people used against her. Being like, oh, you like Halsey? Have you listened to those lyrics? Biggie and Nirvana? Sure. Oh, you're so edgy. Yeah, it's like you grow up and you realize maybe you don't want to shout out legal marijuana word for word <laughs> in a huge anthemic chorus. Yeah, but it's like, it's fair enough. Like, that's what she wrote back then. That's what she wanted to sing. But she's, I feel like she's evolved so quickly past that. So I think if she had played it just because it had been a radio hit, I don't know how well it would have done. Yeah, I I am sad. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) No, I was going to say, that is like kind of defiant and like very empowering for her that only two albums into a career, one of her biggest, most recognizable songs for an hour and 45-minute sets. She's just like, yeah, I'm not going to play that song. <laughs> I was kind of sad she didn't play Ghost, though. When when she was in Barclay, she played Ghost, when I saw her in Brooklyn. Really? Yeah, we also got we also got a G-Eazy appearance. Do you guys get that? No, we didn't <laughs> get any appearances. We got G-Eazy and Ghost. We thought maybe she'd bring out The weekend. Or something, because like everybody she works with is from Toronto, like Bieber, The Weeknd, even Party Next Door. It was yeah. like his hometown show. Yeah, he was on the tour. Yeah, but it was like we didn't get any guest appearances, and she didn't play Ghost. This is not fair. I'm <laughs> suing. 
Oh, this is another thing I should stop rubbing in. <laughs> wow. I can't believe this. I'm never calling in again. <laughs> Yo, so give me some other smaller artists. Like, what have you been into lately? What do you want to shout out? Oh, man. I have so many things I've been listening to. Um, movements, if you've listened to Movements at all, they're kind of like post-hardcore. They have an album coming out on Friday that I'm very excited about. So excited that I ordered all of the vinyl pressings. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I've got a whole stack of vinyl coming to me with the all, same songs on each of them. All 12 vinyl pressings. <laughs> I think it's three or four. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> but I'm really excited, and it's going to be a fantastic album if the singles so far are telling us anything. Yeah, and, and also their, their EP. Their first week sales are in Canada are looking up, thanks to you. It's just me. <laughs> Oh God! No, they actually—they're so good. If you haven't listened to them, you should absolutely—you should check them out. Word. And was there? I think there was one more you wanted to shout out. Oh yes, definitely. Um, there's a band actually from here, from the Niagara area, called Heavy Hearts, and I don't know how to classify them. Sometimes I think they're kind of leaning towards like post-hardcore. Sometimes I think they're just rock. But anyways. If you like anything in that wheelhouse, Heavy Hearts has an EP coming out next week. And I've already heard all of it because I made them let me listen to it like six months ago. And it's fantastic. Oh, my God. It's like their first album, Bliss, I was all here for. I was like their biggest fangirl. They're like, you don't have to do that. And I was like, no, no, I'm into this. Like, I will hit that Jonas level of being a fan for you guys. I'll do it. Um but this EP just totally took it to the next level. It's beyond anything I could have dreamed of for them. Yo, speaking of Jonas level, has by any Don't. chance anything in that realm happens lately? <laughs> Nothing I haven't repressed. Yeah, um, I was supposed to marry Joe Jonas. It turns out he's he's pulled one over on me. He's marrying someone else. Man, I'm sorry. It's, thank you. I appreciate it. It's a hard time for me. My boyfriend's feeling pretty good about it, though. <laughs> Joe, DNCE, we've come so far. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> oh, God. Yo, let's switch to happier subjects. Um, shout out what you've been working on lately. I know there's a lot of writing, a lot of videos on your end. What do you want to tell the people about? Well, speaking of the Jonas Brothers, I wrote a very dramatic piece about Joe's engagement for A-Side here in Toronto, which... The link is at onasidecom or .ca. Check both. And um, I have a lot of videos coming up with a lot of new music from smaller artists you may not have heard of. I've got things about records, especially since I have ordered three pressings each for Movements and Heavy Hearts. So there's lots coming up. Uh, enough that I started a vinyl account just or an Instagram account just for vinyl, which I think says a lot about my priorities. Yeah, tell the people about all of your specific social accounts so they can give you a follow. You can probably find me most often on Twitter and Instagram at Page Backstage, but you can now find me on Instagram as Page on Vinyl if that's more your speed. And you can find me on YouTube also as Page Backstage. I like to keep things simple, um, and I clearly don't like to hide my identity, it seems. <laughs> Page Backstage, there's a very strong identity across all the verticals. I, you know, I saw C-Pain on a plane, and I was like, I got to live up to that standard. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, yo, shout, that reminds me. Shout out to uh, AOL Instant Messenger. That's where actually CPAN on a Plane comes from. And uh, AIM sadly closing its doors, I believe, at the end of this month. Oh, my God. The end of an era. Pour one out for AIM. I will. <laughs> but, yo, thank you so much for calling in, Paige. This is always fun. Hey, thank you for having me. I always love talking to you guys. Awesome. Yeah, we'll do this again soon. All right. Sounds good. Bye. Yeah, thanks so much for Paige for calling in. If you haven't heard the old episodes with Paige, we had her on a couple months back. Go back. It is the Halsey episode, and then it is also the uh, all-time low episode. So those are in the archives. Check those out. They're in iTunes. Moving on, this uh, this second interview we have up, got a band interview. This is an interview with Alicia from the band Bully. They're a Nashville-based rock band who put out their debut album called Feels Like in 2015. They were actually way back a guest on the podcast if you want to dig really far back. But um, they're looking on to album number two now. It's out tomorrow. They put out their first album on Star Time International with Columbia Records. This next album, it's called Losing. It's out on Sub Pop, which I think is a great fit for them. Like Their sounds really fits in with, I think, what you'd call like the classic Sub Pop record sound. So I'm, I'm psyched for what they have coming, and I think they are too. We had this talk a couple weeks back when the album was a little further away. Now it's here. Uh, in case you've never heard them before, here's a little introduction to their sound. Here's some of my one of my favorite tracks off the new album. This one's called Running, and right after that, my talk with Alicia from Bully. Here is. I struggle with being back in town. It's too much time to think in city. You say I'm running, but I don't care. I'll admit it. I get anxious too. So you just got back from Chicago for good yesterday, right? Yes. We were playing Electrical Audio, which is the the studio we record at. It was their 20th birthday party. Um, So they did a two-day thing yesterday, or what is today, Monday? So Saturday night was just a secret show at the Hideout, which is a really small, maybe 150-cap room. Um, and we played with our friends, Fake Limbs, who is Steven Soley, who was the studio manager there for a while, maybe seven years or so. Um, and then another intern's band, former intern, uh, Andrew Mason opened and played first. And that was funny. And yeah, then today or yesterday, Sunday, we were driving back, but there was a big outdoor event for it. And um, I think Screaming Females were one of the headliners, Man or Astroman. Yeah. Anyway, big birthday Yeah, party. That, that sounds awesome. You were mentioning interns band. Is that like the in, the internship you had? Yes. Yeah. Dope. How many years ago is that now? Yeah. Um, I am 27 and that was, I was probably 20, what year is it, 2017, it was about five years ago. Yeah, for those listening, just fill them in real quick on what we're talking about here. 
Oh, okay. So Electrical Audio is the studio that we recorded Losing, which is our record coming out October 20th, and then um, Feels Like, which was our first record, which came out in 2015, um, and we both recorded them at Electrical, which is a studio I interned at while finishing college. I was studying um, audio engineering at Middle Tennessee State University. So they have uh, a bunch of tape machines and are pretty well known for their all their analog equipment and um, engineering. So that is why we tracked our records over there when Bully started. And that was with Steve Albini, right? No, I mean, he owns the studio, but we didn't track any records with him. I um, engineered both of them and mixed them as well. And then John Sampaolo was assistant engineer. Word. So, so it sounds like the genesis of Bully had a lot to do with that, very intertwined. Yeah, I mean, I think that definitely the whole sticking with tape thing has is pretty much all about that. And I... Um, also think there's a lot of bands who recorded there in the past that I'm a huge fan of, like the Breeders and um, Silkworm, you know, just a bunch of bands that tracked there that I really liked. So I would say that it, it, it's pretty involved with the way Bully turned out to be. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And that brings us right to the present. Does that pretty neatly, doesn't it? Uh, you guys got a new album coming out, Losing, on October twentieth. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, let's just let's talk in general at first. Like coming up after the after the debut album, what was your vision for this sophomore album? Oh, it's so hard to say. I mean, I knew there was a lot of things on Feels Like that I was just pretty bored with, or not bored with in the sense that I was like, I hate this song, it sucks, but I was just unimpressed with a lot of it. Um, So I wanted to just approach the writing a little bit differently and um, force myself to do a little bit more lead stuff compared to just, you know, a couple chords and a two-minute song which I think that that can be great too. I'm not bashing on those songs, but you know, Milkman and Brain Freeze and I remember are all really quick and mm-hmm. really cut to the point. And I wanted to kind of just slow it down a little bit and create a little bit more space and mess around with more lead stuff. And um, I even started with bass for some of them and then I would loop it and 
um, go back around with lead and just kind of go from there and figure out what I could get together. Um, but in general, I wanted it to just, I wanted to take, it's hard to say take a little bit more time on it because I took a ton, ton of time on the first record. But I think a lot of times when I'm writing, you know, if I'm stressing out over finding a bridge or something, then I'll just be like, fuck it. You don't have to, the song doesn't have to have a bridge. Wait, sorry. Am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah. Podcast? Yeah. Okay. Um, and instead of forcing it, I would just move on. Um, and I would, I didn't force anything on this record, but I think if I got to points that, um, kind of had me standing still for a minute, I would just, you know, let it sit and then come back and work on it later instead of just finish it, close it up, move on. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. Like the first thing I thought after one listen, listening to it the first time, was like just a lot more big, shreddy guitar riffs on this album. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it, and it's it's slower too. Totally. I feel like a little bit, which is weird. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but I think that's just, yeah, I think that's just what, what kind of happens when you're just trying to really work things out. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> So Feels the Same was the first single you dropped off the album to introduce to everybody. And we'll drop in a little bit of the single in the podcast, but there's a sense of kind of restlessness, anxiety in this song. So tell me about the song and making it the first one off the record. What inspired the this sense of restlessness on the song and the lyrics? Yeah, I mean, I think that as a band, really little things can entertain you and um i know that we all thought it was kind of funny that our last record was called feels like and then we didn't release anything and i don't know maybe a year a year and a half and then we released a song called feels the same and uh so that definitely had a little bit to do with it but also it was just it was short and kind of cut to the point and i feel like it was a good bridge between feels like and losing it was a little bit more dissonant and um a little bit heavier but it still had that kind of if you have a short attention span you can still get through it so that was definitely something that was um kind of attractive to us in the process of picking out what we should release first does set the tone for the record i don't know it's hard to say every song is so different but yeah that one in particular is just kind of about being stuck in a bad mind frame and not really being able to shake it no matter how you alter your physical routine every day or um try and you know change your thinking it's just kind of that black hole is still kind of just sitting there and you can't really get rid of it but eventually it goes away and i want to say this record isn't totally negative and it gets positive too but, uh, yeah, that feels the same. It's just kind of being stuck in a manic mindset. Yeah. What's it been like so far doing press from this album? Because you were telling me some of the themes are kind of a bummer. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people want to just latch on to the more negative, dramatic aspects of it, which I understand because I guess that's what press is about, finding a way to get people to read about the record. Um, But I've been doing so much press recently, it does get exhausting having to constantly talk about, you know, politics or... um, anxiety or whatever you know just shit everybody i feel like is going through right now so it's it's been it's been a lot of that but it's also been i I will say that i feel like this time around the interviews are have been have been for the most part really good just in that the interviewer um has really well thought out questions and they're more in depth and you can tell that they um spent a little bit of time with the record so that part of it has been really cool and I mean the fact that we get any press, I guess I should be thankful for because the on the contrary, I guess nobody would care to even talk about our records. So, well, how about yeah with with those not so happy things that people have been asking about, like politics and anxiety, whatever else? Do you think there's anything that you haven't really been able to touch on yet? You think that people are missing about the album? That's a really good question um yeah i think and and actually one or two people have brought this up but a lot of times i think that it should be made clear that when that stuff is brought up or saying about it is a way of working it out and kind of taking control of the situation and there is still a sense of empowerment that comes along with those heavy songs um and and kind of ownership of the situation which i think isn't really spoken about as much as the kind of feeling the 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 shitty feeling that that comes along with it so i would say yeah i would say there's just i'm trying to think of a particular example i mean i know hate and control really is that song is is a heavy song but if you really think about it it's it's kind of about taking ownership of the situation and learning how to feel good about yourself no matter what anybody else says, which sounds so cliche and corny. Um, but it's true. And yeah, there's lighter songs like guess there, which is pretty much just about, um, it's kind of like an anthem for people who just like to stay at home in our home bodies and don't really feel like being social all the time or going out and partying every night. And it's really, uh, sarcastic and it was fun to write. Um, and yeah, there's songs like Spiral, which are lighter, or Either Way, which may be about, you know, losing somebody you love, but at the same time, it's just kind of remembering them in a good way and being fortunate for the time that you had with them and stuff like that. saying about being like a homebody or is that that's first person you consider yourself a homebody uh do i consider myself a homebody yeah yeah a hundred really okay i feel like because we go from just touring nonstop and being out every night and being around people and literally being around people just like in the van and in our hotel room and in the green room and it's nonstop. and so 
and it's late usually. I mean, it's nice when you are supporting a band because you can play around nine or eight, and that's awesome. And then you can have a drink and chill out, and your gear is already loaded out. But when you're headlining and you're playing last, you kind of wait around all night to play. And then by the time you're done playing, it's around 1230. And by the time you want to chill out and have a drink, you really just have to load out. So it's then it's like 2.30 when you get back to your hotel room. And so when I'm home, I definitely just sit at my house and read and go to bed at 10 and wake up at 8. And it feels really good. <laughs> but I think that's just my way of balancing the two. I mean, if there's a cool show I'll hear about or something, then I'll go out. But I definitely prefer to just, you know, embrace the calm while I have it instead of just going all the time but it's different for everybody because i would say that reese our bass player he's really social and he can just he can knock it out non-stop he doesn't really get tired so i think it just kind of depends on the person you are yeah so this is a good time to ask about the the gear the fans because i'm i'm just knowing that you are in, in a producer yourself and into studio stuff very knowledgeable of this stuff so you're telling me that fans don't ask you a lot about gear because they totally should be. No, I don't get asked a lot about gear. I would say if I am asked about something, it'll be about my guitar because it's a it's a Frankenstein guitar in that it's just it's like all different parts put together. Um, and so I think people are trying to figure it out. But I really, no, I don't get asked as much as I would like to about gear. Um, I mean, with that being said, I don't want to like leave stage every night and have 10 conversations breaking down my pedal board, but it is cool because I think you put a lot of time into it. I mean, for losing, everybody has notes and notebooks of every pedal they used and the settings they were at for every song. So yeah, it would be cool to kind of go through those and, and do something with that. But we tried for the most part to have our pedal boards matched the overall consensus of what was used the most on losing and yeah i actually have my pedal board in front of me if you want me to kind of give you the rundown yeah i don't know anything about gear so tell me tell the listeners whatever you want to say about your gear to put out there okay i'm gonna i'm gonna keep it simple okay i'm not gonna be like oh this is like i click on this distortion i feel like a solid boost around 7k i'll just i'll keep it simple so i have starts with your tuner, obviously, which is a just a chromatic boss tuner. But I had the old one, I had the TU, and the problem is a huge problem with playing festivals or playing during the day is your tuner is uh, you read it by the lights in it, it'll say E or whatever, and it'll let you know if you're sharp or flat. Um, and if it's bright out, you can't read it. And we have, or I have, about four different tunings through a bully set, so I definitely need a tuner I can read. So anyway, I got this to have brighter lights because the TU3 has brighter lights and it's just a newer tuner. So anyway, I have that. And then I also have my backup one strapped onto my pedal board with Velcro in case for some reason my other one goes out. But then I have a Greer Amps distortion pedal and it's really simple. It's just volume, gain, and tone. And it's beefy and it's thick and it's it's pretty warm to me. Like I'll use it if I don't want something incredibly abrasive, but also um, still gets gritty. So then after that, I have a Violent Menace um, stomp underfoot. I think that's what it's listed as. 
Um, but this one's awesome. I've actually been playing this one for years. I need to send it in, though, because it, it makes a heart-beating noise when my tuner is on and all my pedals should be muted. But it's great because it has a mid-control, so that would, yeah, your, your mid-range frequencies. Um, so, yeah, it's great. It's brighter. It's a little gnarlier. Um, and it's a good driving distortion. And there's the Earthquaker Acapulco Gold, which I turn on um, when I break out of and running during the choruses. I start with rhythm guitar, and it's like, say I'm running. And then halfway through it, it goes to the lead part. So I turn this on right before I go to the lead part to give it a boost when I go there. Then I have an, a Rogue Analog Delay that I bought in college. It was the first pedal I ever bought, and I want to say I got it on eBay for $30, and I have played it ever since. And, yeah, it's just an analog delay. I don't know. I think it has some sort of sentimental value to me. I just I can't get rid of it. And then I have an Earthquaker, uh, Earthquaker Ghost Echo, which is a simple reverb, and I use it... If I'm ever, most of the times when I'm not distorted, but sometimes when I'm distorted. Um, and it's just like a nice reverb because I don't, the amp I play is a, I play a vintage basement head and then I run it through um, a Marshall cab, but a really old Marshall cab. So it's, it's kind of dull. It's on the duller sounding side of things. Um which maybe I'll change out my cab for a new one so it's a little brighter. But anyway, I don't have a reverb control, and I don't usually mess with amp reverb controls unless I really need to if I am playing an amp with reverb. So, yeah, I just have the pedal instead. And that's my pedal board. I would say I go through distortions most frequently. Oh, hey, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> Yo, we, oh, I'm we... sorry. <laughs> Yo, it's all good. I, I just talked your ear up, but also someone started beeping in, and then I realized maybe I was talking that whole time to nobody. And what about the Frankenstein guitar? Tell me about that. How did that come together? Oh, right. So the Frankenstein guitar, it's a Squire 51 body that a company called Bluesman, based out of their and our outside of Nashville, modified. So, Yeah. It's cool. It's really pretty. It's like a seafoam green. I've had it forever. I carved uh, my name into it. It's nice. Dope, yeah. And I know you got to run. Is there anything else you want to shout out, tell the people about? Uh, No, I just, I guess, want to thank you for listening to me go on a gear rant. And, yeah, for having me on your podcast. Dope, yeah. First album, Feels Like. Second album, Losing. Out October 20th, Feels Like Losing. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that is that that is what everyone's right. gonna see when they look at the Wikipedia when they see the two albums next to each other. Good. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> All right, well thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. I struggle with being back time is hard to do when you're not
so that's it. Thank you so much to Alicia for hopping on the phone. Like we were saying, their album called Losing is out tomorrow on Sub Pop. Go check it out. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening to this show. Uh, if you want to get the podcast every week automatically, subscribe. You can head over to iTunes or just search for the podcast title, hashtag Alternative Facts, in the podcast app on your phone. And while you're there, while you're subscribing, while you're listening, throw us a star rating. I appreciate it a lot because it really helps with you know, getting the podcast better placement on iTunes, getting more eyeballs on it, and just also hearing what you guys think. Because, like, with a podcast, there's not really a comment section. It can be hard sometimes to get feedback from listeners. So any specific feedback you have, you can write in with a star rating. Always really helpful. And to get specific updates from the show, just I'm tweeting and giving info all the time. Follow me on Twitter. At C-Pain on a Plane is the Twitter handle, as I chatted with uh, Paige Backstage about earlier in the show. Give her a follow to Paige Backstage and all, on all uh, social platforms, and also Bully. Follow them, too. And uh, that's about all I have at my end. This is a weekly podcast every Thursday. You'll hear from me next week. Until then, take care, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs>